0: Welcome to Skidmark Show, the
1: most socially distant show on the internet. Hell, we're so ahead of the curve with this pandemic that Jeff and Ethan aren't even in the same state right now. That's social distancing level expert. And in these strange and tingly times, we want to encourage everyone to stay safe and stay home if you can. That way you can listen to every episode of Skidmark Show as loud as you want and the boss won't know. Because you, fella you're the boss now plus with all that extra free time some of you have you can pick up a new hobby or even start a home business just don't be one of those people that starts a podcast in your garage there's too many of those out there right now so sit back and relax and enjoy more Skidmark show and by sit back i mean at least six feet away from the speaker my voice is coming out of a little for a one more a little further back please powered by pin oil hey this is jeff running from Jackal and you're listening to the skidmark show okay this is steve Celine, and you're listening to the skidmark show hey everybody this is kenny wayne
2: shepherd and you're listening to the skidmark show Hello and welcome to episode 113 of Skidmark Show, your favorite show about cars and rock stars. I'm Ethan D and just a heads up, this episode was recorded shortly before the whole world changed on us, so our guests today are talking about concert tours and racing seasons that have been postponed by now, and as soon as we have rescheduled dates from many of our guests we'll share them with you right away. My first guest is my good friend Marshall Dutton from Hinder. I called Marshall because Hinder was just about to head out on an anniversary tour for the 15th anniversary. Anniversary of their platinum-selling album, Extreme Behavior. Obviously, by now, they've postponed the original dates we shared on our Facebook page, but they've already started rescheduling some of them for the summer and fall. We'll also talk about his and Cody Hansen's side project, The Dangerous Hippies, and much more. But before we get to any of this, first, I had to find out why his Wikipedia has his nickname as Wolfie. What's up, dude.
3: What's up, brother? How are you, man? Uh, oh, I'm pretty good, man. I mean, a little hungover, you know, just kind of worn out after a weekend run, but
2: Oh, did you guys uh, go
3: out this last weekend? Yeah, yeah, we were uh we had a uh show in Vegas. Oh. We a festival out there and we were there and we stayed an extra day to do some riding with uh, a buddy of our Kane Cherko actually. He's a producer.
2: You know, I saw that earlier, and I was curious. Um, The only time I've ever heard the last name Churko before was a guy named Corey Churko, who's in a band up in Canada that Brent Fitz is playing drums for. Um, I don't know if you remember Brent from Theory of a Dead Man before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea if they're related. It's just the only time I've heard the last name Churko, and I was looking at Kane's credits, and that guy's done a lot of stuff, man.
3: Oh, yeah, well, I mean, his dad is... uh... Kevin Cherco, who produces all the Five Finger Death Punch records, and he produced Ozzy for a lot of years. He was actually, you know who Mutt Lang is, right? Like oh, one yeah. One of the biggest producers ever. Yeah. He was Mutt Lang. Kevin was Mutt Lang's kind of like right hand guy. That's how he kind of got his start.
2: Oh, man. That's pretty he,
3: badass. He he lived in Switzerland for years uh, and, and, you know, uh, was, was basically Mutt's lead engineer.
2: That's cool. Well, hell, I wish I'd known you guys were in Vegas. I just got back from there myself, but it was at the NASCAR race uh, end of February hanging out. So Nice. Yeah, and um, a couple other buddies of mine live there. I just recently met Joey, uh, the drummer for Theory of a Dead Man, through my friends and the Garage Boys out in Vegas. So it's like Vegas is the place to be for a lot of people sometimes.
3: I know, no, man.
2: I don't know about you, but I don't think I could live there, right? Mm. Too much yeah, going on. Yeah, I couldn't on.
3: either. Yeah. yeah, it's just... It's just not my scene, man. And plus, I don't like the fucking desert.
2: Oh, God, it drives me out. And I'm from West Texas, dude. I mean, you've been to... I know. Yeah.
3: I know. You know how dry you get out in West Texas? It's like that, but it's just like Vegas is almost even worse. Yeah, it's
2: like that, but ten times more expensive.
3: Yeah, yeah exactly
2: <laughs> hey all right before we really get underway here marshall my buddy from hinder i have to ask as i always do a little bit of research just to make sure nothing's changed or whatever i was looking at the wikipedia and it has you listed as marshall wolfie dutton when did wolfie come around
3: <laughs> <laughs> man okay so uh so that that was a nickname that i got when i was in college actually uh my uh, m- my first roommate in college uh dawned me with that term one night because we were i can't remember how it started but like he was i had like i you know and in the winter my hands used to dry out and get all like cracky yeah i know? might do it too and so it was like the skin condition you know and he he saw it one night we were at a party he's like what the hell's wrong with you he's like there's like an old raggedy wolf that <laughs> we were at this party and i was up on this Balcony on a, at an apartment complex, and I, I I jumped off the balcony and landed on my feet and and howled like a wolf, you know, like we were drunk. and So <laughs> I just and so all my friends ended up calling me Wolfie. Okay, so after that,
2: how did we get through all of the faction years without um, me or, from what I can tell, most of my friends ever hearing that one because that's new to me tonight.
3: Well, yeah, well th- th- they didn't call me that. Like I didn't talk to them because by the time. I met all the guys in faction. We were like, you know, it was already way past that era in my life, you know, when I knew Stuart. So they they didn't know the the guy that gave that coined me with that term or the group of people. So I ended up with different nicknames like Grandpa and Old Man because they (laughs) they were all younger than me. But what happened was how that ended up on Wikipedia is uh, I was. I think I was hanging out with one of my old buddies that used to call me that here. And one of my buddies here from Oklahoma City, this guy named Adam, who's a character, he's a painter. Uh, He just, he found out that people used to call me Wolfie and he thought it was funny. And so he went on and changed that shit on Wikipedia. (laughs) He's like one of those guys that loves to go and fuck with Wikipedia and change it and to really fun, make little funny jokes and shit in it. So.
2: Oh, I love it. That's hilarious. Golly, that's okay. That's the best. I'm not going to call you that because you'll always be Marshall to me, but I just I love knowing that that exists.
3: <laughs> Heck yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, Hinder, Extreme Behavior, 15 years. You guys are about to launch um, a pretty extensive tour for you guys.
3: Yeah. Yeah, man. It's... Uh, 15-year anniversary tour is going to be a good time. We're probably going to play, you know, most mostly first record stuff and then some other surprises. Um, we got a good package, our good friends Waylon are, are coming out with us, and uh, Blacktop Mojo, which is another killer band, so uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a fun ride, dude.
2: Are you going to, you said you're going to play most of the stuff, you're going to skip a few tracks, are you going to go like front to back like a lot of the bands are doing? Yeah,
3: well, I mean, you know, that's, nobody needs to know this, that order. But. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I don't want it to be that predictable, but yeah, we're going to play all the songs off the first record.
2: So. Okay, right, and switch it up with some other hits and some other stuff. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Now, you got Waylon coming out there. You and Cody have written some stuff for those guys, so obviously good friends there, huh?
3: Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, good friends. We worked with them. We, we uh, uh, wrote a handful and produced a couple songs for those guys uh, back last year, or maybe the year before it was. I don't know. The years kind of all bleed together. But, right. Uh, good friends of ours, uh, people we love to tour. I mean, huh? what's cooler than getting to tour with people you like? to hang out with you know drink beer with so
2: exactly and uh blacktop mojo those guys have been coming up through the ranks over the years too
3: yeah man i hear they're good again i actually don't know any of those guys yet but i'm excited to uh get to know them you know
2: now going back to hinder you uh joined those guys was it 2015
3: uh yeah 20 i think it was at the end of 2014 maybe the beginning of 2015 i can't remember exactly but
2: but you've known those guys a lot longer because you'd lived in OKC for a while, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I've known them since... Uh, I, I met them when I was back in Faction, you know, back in uh, probably like 2004, 2005, 2006. Uh, we used to tour together when we were baby bands uh, together, and I, I knew them since then. But, you know, uh, after you know, Faction kind of crashed and burned a little bit, I ended up working with Cody doing a lot of uh, production mainly for uh, it, it started out as doing produ- pre-production for Hinder and then we kind of rolled that into you know a production company and produced started producing bands which kind of had me I mean I was pretty much almost living here anyway you know in Oklahoma City and so I finally just decided to make the move one day been here for 10 years now
2: were you I mean you've known him that long were you hanging around when extreme behavior was blowing up and just being like that's awesome for my friends
3: Yeah, man. I mean, I knew them before they were blown away. We were already friends, and we were touring on that. We were kind of all part of the same circuit, you know. Right. They were a band, you know, a fresh new band that Universal was pushing, and we were a fresh new band from, you know, Roadrunner, and we were both kind of, being displayed at the same time so we ended up getting to know each other and then of course they went on to sell three million records and we got dropped so well, (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) yeah, i guess two roads diverged but at the end it all come back around um you know 10 years later and and here you are you are the band and you guys are celebrating 15 years with you
3: yeah man it's it's pretty cool like uh that uh that i get to be a part of it you know because it certainly wasn't something that i expected you know i mean when all this happened i was just trying my best hand at you know being a producer and uh just trying to trying to make money any way i could in the music industry you know and so actually ending up in the band just was kind of happy accident and uh i'm uh happy to be here you know
2: yeah and i'm i was just looking over the dates i think this is one of the longest tours you guys have planned in a a few years isn't it you got april may june a couple in july and a couple even in august
3: yeah man there well there's more dates i just got we just had two more offers come in today you know for different shows so it's uh it's going to shaping up to be a busy year man like like last year i feel like was the busiest year since i've been in the band um that we've toured you know we, we actually toured um almost you know a little less than half of the year last year which was huge for us and this year shaping up to be kind of the same thing but it's good because we're having fun we're making money and uh you know people are really digging the shows and asking for us back and so what are you gonna do you know
2: yeah i mean you got to do what the just, fans want
3: yeah dude you keep going with it and so as we you know we had a we got a new uh booking guy last year so which you know that changed a lot you know since this guy's really uh really great at getting gigs. He's hungry, he wants to, you know, book us when before I kind of just felt like we were kind of sitting in the water a lot, you know? Yeah,
2: so. well, it's good to know, and it's it's even better to know that you're actually coming all the way to Tampa, so I'll get to see you a little closer than last time, and well, we'll get to hang out in my city if you got some extra time.
3: Yeah, dude, do it. That'd all right. Be cool. I'm just it. excited to be coming back to Florida by that, too, because, you know, like, when I first joined the band, I think, or actually maybe it was before I was even in the band, and I was still filling in before they had made their decision. And we played some a string of shows in Florida. And then that was the last time we ever went to Florida. We haven't been back for like four years all of a sudden. And so you it's know, great to I don't, to finally be getting some shows there again. Because people hit me up all the time online like, dude, why, why you never come to Florida? So
2: I've wondered that myself. I mean, obviously Florida gets plenty of shows. And they've got a bunch of huge festivals. But there are a lot of tours that they go like New Orleans... Atlanta, and then they hook up, and I'm like, you guys should just curve right and come down and hit Tampa, Orlando, Miami, and then you can go up, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I guess some people don't want the extra gas, but there's a lot of fans down here, and we're definitely gonna be excited to see you here live and in person. Oh yeah, man. You and Cody doing Dangerous Hippies, that's taken off, and it seems like is that sort of the, I, I don't want to say folk Americana side of, of Hinder so much, but it is um, you and Cody writing songs together that didn't necessarily make Hinder albums, but that are just fun for you guys.
3: Yeah, yeah. thats I mean, it's just kind of, I don't even, you know, I mean, it's not, a lot of the stuff we're putting out now is kind of folky because, you know, we're kind of into that, and we have been off and on over the years, but it's really just kind of a project with no real definition. I mean, some of the songs sound like straight up rock tracks and then some of the songs are, you know, even more poppy, like hardcore pop even, you know, that, that kind of stray away from folk. And then, you know, like you said, a lot of the material, at least what we've released so far, is kind of in that folky Americana style. But it's really all over the place, you know, as far as I mean, we just we just did a reggae sounding track. It's it's kinda of strange. It's just kind of one of those things that we started uh, years ago in the studio, you know, when we'd have free time we'd just write and record songs just for the hell of it with with no kind of genre in mind and see what would happen. And so yeah. it just kinda of turned out something fun that we've done over the years. And so we've only got a, a huge catalog of material for uh the dangerous sippers. And we finally decided to, you know, hey maybe it's time to release some songs. And so we're just gonna slowly release tunes, you know, maybe once every every month or two, maybe Every eight weeks or something. And we'll, I don't know if you've noticed, but what we've kind of been doing so far is like we'll release a song and then, you know, halfway in between the cycle of the uh, of the song before we release the next song, we'll release a different version of the same song.
2: Yeah, I noticed that. In fact, um, one of the ones you released, you released a uh, folk Americana version of it. yeah. And uh, that's really cool, man. I, I'm excited to hear the reggae track simply because I remember the story of a band in a studio, and they had a song written, and the producer goes, "Hang on, let's put a, a reggae beat behind it and change the guitars a little bit." And they did, and that ended up being Blondie's "Tide Is High." So, oh wow, man! Yeah, so, you know, can't wait to yeah, see yeah, what you cool.
3: guys do with it. Yeah, man. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll have to share the track with you and see what you think. All right, cool. It's actually a song about. About dancing, which is kind of strange because I'm like, neither one of us are really dancers, but we we just, it kind of seemed like. The right thing to talk about, you know. Okay,
2: so, yeah. You um, know,
3: it's just one of those things.
2: You, so. you and Cody, then you got to do this thing. I follow uh, comedians Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura on Instagram, and they put out dance videos. You and Cody got to put out individual dance videos and see nice. who's better, right?
3: <laughs> okay, that sounds <laughs> that sounds interesting.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll film it and then I'll do one too, and we'll all look like idiots. How's that?
3: <laughs> sounds good. Dude.
2: All right, man. Hey, it was great to talk to you again. I can't wait to see you on tour 15th anniversary of extreme behavior are you going to do any dangerous hippies track during the hinder tour or are you saving that as something separate
3: oh no man that's all completely separate you know hinders hinder dangerous hippies you know separate thing right but, you know you know i mean hinders by all, uh means you know like taking a back seat in our focus you know it's still it's still right out there in front we're just doing this because we have some time and it's fun and we like to you know we kind of want to share with with all of our fans the fact that we really like to dabble in a bunch of different genres and and do other things other than this and so this is our way of kind of trying to show hey look what else we do
2: well yeah and if you can get paid to make music you just make music as long as you can yeah all right it. hey brother great talking to you again can't wait to see you on tour here in florida and uh as soon as you got something new hit me up i'll share it in all our stuff and we'll see you soon my friend
3: sounds good thanks buddy
2: hey man love you marshall we'll talk to you soon buddy love you too man later brother Just a reminder again that we recorded that interview right before everything started getting pushed back, so the live dates we mentioned aren't the right ones right now. But we'll share the new ones as soon as they're set, and Marshall will call me and let me know too. Next on Skidmark's show is racer Michelle Abadi. She's an SECA racer and founder of Gurr Racing Plus Much More. She's got her very own RC car modeled after one of her race cars, which is probably one of the coolest things ever. Again, we recorded this before the racing season was affected, so take any race dates mentioned as having been postponed by now. hello hey michelle it's ethan with skidmark show how are you
0: i'm good how are you
2: i'm great how's your sunday going
0: it's good man just enjoying some time off
2: i was about to say you got no racing to do today
0: not today.
2: Awesome. When, when's the next time you go out and hit the track?
0: Next weekend.
2: Okay. The Trans Am Series that you're in. Tell me um, about it. When does the season start? How often do you guys race?
0: Yeah, so uh, we actually are racing in the Western Series because I don't have funding for National Tour, but National Tour already started. There's about 14 races for National Tour. Um, West Coast Series only has six races. So uh, we start, yeah, about this time. Um, we go all the way through to November. There are two crossover events, which means both West West Coast Series and National Tour race together. And um, that would be in at Laguna Seca and then at the end of the year uh, in texas at um circuit of the americas
2: oh wow so you get to drive both on the laguna seca and circuit of the americas tracks that's got to be amazing
0: yeah it's pretty cool we go we go there we go to sonoma we go to uh thunder hill portland and yeah in texas so it's it's a pretty cool circuit uh, the west coast series got fired up uh, about three years ago i think yeah 2017 they brought it back and uh nationally there's about 60 TA2 cars racing, so when we all come together, it's it's about, you know, 40 cars on track, 40, 50 cars, so it's a pretty cool race.
2: Uh, it sounds like it, but with only six races throughout the year, it's got to be pretty difficult to, uh, I mean, you've got to place really high every single time to be in the top.
0: Yeah, so last year was my first year, and uh, I finished fifth overall. There was uh, consistent 16 drivers in the series uh, throughout, throughout the year for West Coast Tour, so yeah, it was pretty cool, but those crossover events there, they get a much higher car count, which is pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and you were the uh, the first female ever to win a podium finish in the GT one category at the SECA, right?
0: Yes, uh, pretty close. So I in GT one, I was the youngest female, so i have only actually the third to ever do it. The other two uh, did move on to Trans Am, so trying to follow in their footsteps.
2: Awesome. So how did you get started driving? I mean, uh, most racers are like, you know what? From when I was able to walk, I was already playing with cars. Is that the same with you?
0: Unfortunately, no, no. I didn't get a start till I got my first car when. I was 16. And even then I I started in autocross. So that, I mean, I guess some people think that's racing, but it's, a little bit more of a stepping stone, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I you know just took my car and, and do did autocross and then worked my way up. I got you know into to kind of the time attack stuff, the enthusiast kind of you know more competitive driving, and then you know got my race license and started doing wheel to wheel and just kept working up the ladder.
2: So what was your first car then?
0: I had a Mazda Speed Protege. It's like a it was a pretty special edition four cylinder turbo car. Um, and they only made them one year with the turbo, so it was pretty cool.
2: How did you end up with that as your first car? Was that something? that that you uh, you'd wanted your whole life was that a surprise from the parents or
0: actually I guess technically that wasn't my first car my first car was like a '94 Explorer
2: oh okay
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I just try to sound cooler by saying the first car I raced was a Mazda but um, no I uh, actually my my parents. Bought it for me because I had a blown engine. We got a really good deal on it, and my dad and I we changed the motor in the garage. I think my mom actually bought my my new motor for me. Sweet, so well, used motor. So, uh, no, it definitely wasn't like uh like something I had planned. I was very fortunate that I was allowed to kind of upgrade into it. So that
2: sounds awesome. I mean, as a first race car, Mazdas are are kind of um, they, they're pretty popular among a lot of people, and obviously there's a reason why because if you get them right and you tune them right, they can haul ass.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's Mazda has good good roots in Enthusiast racing too, grassroots racing. They have a nice uh, motorsports development program where you can get discounts on parts and stuff. So yeah, it was definitely a, a warm welcome into the the racing world for sure.
2: Now, one of the coolest things that I saw because um, I googled you just a little bit ago, doing some basic research. You know how we do. You've yeah. got your own RC car.
0: <laughs> I do, yes.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Now which model is that?
0: So that was the car that I raced uh between twenty fifteen and twenty eighteen. It was a Scion that my husband and I built in my garage. And um yeah, that, that was a really, really cool build that uh that we were very successful with. I raced with Scion for about four years, and that car um was a supercharged car. It had an Edelbrock supercharger on it, and unfortunately I had to sell it in order to buy my my new race car. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's awesome to have RC and be able to to kind of look back on it and and see people you know using that thing to race with this is pretty cool
2: yeah i'll have to look for that next time i'm in the store because me and my son love uh driving rc cars and that would be a really cool one to say hey man i know her
0: <laughs> yeah very cool awesome
2: <laughs> so um now you're on to the project gurmero the 2011 chevy camaro that you've been racing is that uh the project you're doing right now it's all over youtube
0: Yep. Yep. That's currently in the works. Every Monday we do a new episode and we're finally getting around to having everything we need to assemble the motor, but uh, kind of funny story behind that. Bought that, actually, we straight traded that car title for title. I had a BRZ that I had uh, when I raced the Scion FRS. I had the FRS for the race, you know, racing, and then I had the BRZ for the street car And we kind of mimicked that same program, um, which is actually a pretty successful way to do things because you're able to promote sponsors on and off the track, you know. So basically, we, we straight traded the BRZ for the Camaro, and the Camaro had a little bit of a lif- lifter tick to it. So we were going to fix that. And then when I went to SEMA and I kind of started explaining that to some of our partners, everybody was just so excited. About it, and they all wanted to be a part of it, and now it's turned into this massive project that's just so cool. And it's gonna, it's gonna be probably faster than the race car, which is pretty funny.
2: You know, I uh, I don't build cars myself. Um, my partner Jeff, he does a lot of that. And one of the greatest parts is when you're in the middle of a build and people come up to you and want to be a part of what you're doing, especially when they start offering you free stuff to help you do it. <laughs> yep. So how often have you been going to SEMA? Because we've been there since uh, 2015, and you're gonna have to come by the Shell booth and hang out with this next year that's for sure
0: Oh yeah, definitely. No, I've been I've been going there since I wasn't supposed to. I think I was like 15 and you had to be 18 to be in the show but my dad was able to get me in and definitely a huge fan of SEMA being local to Vegas. It's very easy for me to, to jump in and, you know, check it out. But yeah, I've, I've been going for a long time.
2: <laughs> you know what? You and uh, Leah Pritchett, the NHRA drag racer, she has the exact same story. She first went when she was way too young to get in uh, but yep. somebody very important got her in and she'd been ever since and that got her into the car so. Speaking yep. of Vegas, I I saw the Vegas commercial that you were in for about a second and a half.
0: Yep, yeah, I don't know if it's that long, but yeah, I'm, yeah. In, I'm in there.
2: It was really cool, and it literally was a second and a half. It's just a shot of a Lamborghini hauling ass down the highway towards Vegas, and you got to do that.
0: Yep, yep, that was a uh, that was a pretty cool deal for sure, um, and and definitely special to me because you know being born and raised in Vegas, it's pretty nice to be part of the new campaign. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're in a commercial with Christina Aguilera and whatever it was she was wearing. Um, <laughs> and Aerosmith
0: yeah yeah it's pretty cool I, I uh never would have thought that it had ever happened but uh it was it was awesome man it was definitely a good opportunity and um it's actually been more of a I guess been seen more often than than I expected so it's kind of cool too
2: now with your project Gurmero that's on YouTube how far ahead are you or do these episodes basically happen like throughout the week almost as live as you can get and then you post it
0: yeah, literally, we just shot uh, tomorrow's episode yesterday, so it's 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 right down to the wire. We were an episode ahead, we had been, but then I got sick and we didn't have time to to film anything. So we kind of took up that you know little extra bit of work that we had. So now it's interesting because we have a race next weekend, so we we need to film another episode for next week. Uh, actually, I should say from two weeks from now, but we'll figure it out. I I, I know how important it is to stay consistent, and so um, definitely will we'll figure it out but right now we're kind of in a period where we're like okay what should we do for you know the 17th or whatever it is
2: yeah that's uh, one of the hardest parts is like all right, what do we do next and how do we make it bigger and better and and more fun
0: yeah absolutely I'm I'm hoping my crankshaft will come in so we'll do the crankshaft and the bearings and and then then I just need some valve train stuff and we'll be able to assemble the motor so that'll be really cool
2: awesome so what is coming up next for you Um, obviously you don't know too much about the YouTube series because that happens as it is but what's the next big thing that Michelle Abadi's doing?
0: Well, my season's starting, so that's definitely priority and most important, so we'll uh, enter into the 2020 season coming up, and then as for YouTube stuff, uh, we'll continue Project Romero. We've got um, a lot of really, really cool stuff setting aside. Uh, Interior stuff, we've got lighting stuff, we've got um, climate control upgrades. I mean, really, really cool stuff with that, and then also um, we've got a... I picked up a a Grom, a Honda Grom motorcycle, so we're doing Project Grom as well, so that's kind of cool. Oh, fun. Um, Yeah, so it's just kind of gonna be whatever kind of comes at me we're gonna be putting out there and I definitely want to get more on on YouTube it's been really fun to kind of ignite that a little bit and be consistent on it so um, hopefully more videos as we as we continue through the year but yeah my main focus is definitely trans am and trying to get on the podium I, I that's my goal this year I, I didn't make it on the podium last year my highest finish was fifth um, but I'm feeling really really good this year I got to learn the car a little bit and uh, yeah I feel confident going into this year I I went through some stuff last year that that I learned a lot in the races you know being a hundred mile races there's there's a lot that can happen so it's important to you know um and maintain your tires you know and, and not wear through everything and just keep everything happy so my goal this year is to be on that podium
2: i guess that would hopefully be everybody's goal otherwise why are you doing it right
0: yeah, no, exactly. We we have fun either way, but um, you know, first year for for a brand new car, brand new series uh, is definitely tough. And I think we did really well last year, considering the limited resources we have. So
2: speaking of fun, uh, every time uh, for the last three years now, we've been in the hosted at the Pennzoil 400 there at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And every yep. time we're coming in to where we're set up, we always drive by the Exotics Racing. And I just noticed this year they've got kart racing out there, which you did not too long ago.
0: Yep, yep, very cool little uh, uh, Cart track they have out there and they make it easy for anybody to get on it. But yeah, they had a little bit of a, it was like a championship kind of race deal and I didn't know too much about it, but yeah, I signed up and it was a lot of fun. There's, there's a lot of local, uh, local guys that head out there a lot. So they're pretty quick, but it definitely was a nice opportunity to get in a car or I guess a go-kart during the off
2: season. How fast do those little carts get up to?
0: You know, it's hard to say cause, cause you know, there's no, uh, speedometer on there, but I, I think probably around 40 miles an hour.
2: Oh man, that's gotta be a blast.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're pretty cool.
2: All right. Michelle, thank you for joining us on Skidmark's show today. Tell everybody where they can find you on YouTube and Twitter and all the social media stuff.
0: Yeah, pretty much everything is my name, which is Michelle Abadi. And typically I'll change the one, I mean the I in my name for a one. So just Google Michelle Abadi. It's one L. And uh, yeah, you can find me on all the platforms and happy to help out anybody that's interested in getting into racing or maybe wants to be a partner of ours for this year.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. That's all for this episode of Skidmark Show, but we'll have another one ready for you very soon. And on our next episode, we talk to a manager for NHRA Tracks who tells us how they're keeping in touch with all the race fans and what they know about the 2020 NHRA season as of right now. Plus, I talked to a friend of mine who is one of the tour managers for Metallica. Yeah, Metallica. My friend Sean tells me what he's doing now that even Metallica's tour has been postponed until later this year. And much, much more. Thanks for listening to Skidmark Show. Check us out on all of the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course our YouTube page. Send us a five-star review and give us a thumbs up anywhere you get your podcast downloaded. And download us for free all over the internet, including iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, CastBox, and many more. I'm Ethan Nee and I'm out.
1: See ya. Thanks for listening to Skidmark Show. We'll have another episode full of fast cars and rock stars ready for you soon. Until then, be sure to share this episode with your friends on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and all social media. And leave us a five-star review everywhere you get your podcast. Until next time, listen loud and drive fast when nobody's looking. Powered by Pin Oil.